It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Brush that dirt off your shoulder. Your man is back. Your boy is back. Dave Downey back in the all-in-the-game hot seat. And there's so much Everton-related stuff to discuss tonight that we're going to make extra time look like the sh- shameful red show it is. This is Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey yet again putting Steve Hoversall in his place. We're ridiculously excited today. Dave, Everton 2, Norwich City 2. Tell us all about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, optim- I'm trying to speak as loud as I can because I can't match that, but... I'm mildly optimistic this season, uh, much to a lot of people who've got on me back on Twitter, uh, much to their disappointment, I think. But, uh, yeah, it was an impressive start. I, I Are was... Evertonians pessimistic? I think, no, I don't think so, not anymore. I think, um, certainly with Moyes leaving, there was a, and I wrote a little bit about this for the Anfield Rap website, didn't Indeed. I? Indeed. Um, I think they've sort of become overly optimistic overnight since Moyes has left. I think Moyes leaving has sort of given everybody a, a massive boost in one way or another. Uh, certainly the transfer stuff today as well. I'll certainly have a lot of people going against what he's been trying to do as well. So uh, I think I think there's a I lot of Evertonians that... yourselves. Yeah, I do. I think uh, I, I'm trying, trying to find a comparison for it. It's quite difficult, really. But it's um, with, with Everton in the past under Moyes, it sort of felt like we've been... Uh, you know, a, a jubilant child that's had the reins put on them, and now they've been taken off, and we can go and cause hell and do what the hell we want in, in the play area. Do you know what I mean? It's. Uh, I, I think Martinez has said all the right things. Um, he's done half decent in the transfer market. There's a couple of things that I have issues with what he's done with, but um, all in all, it's very, very positive at the moment, and uh, I'm positive for once for now. I think the positivity is crucial. Um, I think it's. I think Everton will not do as well in the league as the, uh, this season as they did last season, but I don't think that's an issue because ultimately last season didn't lead to European football for Everton. I think it's about having an adventure this season. I think it's about having an adventure for Liverpool as well, but I think it's about having an adventure. I think it's about going out and having a ball. Um, and that's, I think, what Everton needs to do, and I think it's time for that. It feels like Evertonians, I think, should be feeling like, yeah, this is this this is going to be interesting. You, by no way, shape, or form, Everton are the only are the only side in the league other than the, 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 Everton are in that top seven group. They might not finish in the top seven, but they're in that top seven group. In that, there's no way Everton are going down. No way Everton are going down. Whereas I think everyone else who came below seventh last season, who came below Liverpool, who got fewer than fifty points, could end up in it if things go wrong for them. So Everton are in a really, really good position. I think there can be twelve months here where Martinez gets to know his players starts to get them moving the way in which he wants to do, starts to see what problems he's got, starts to work out how to solve them, which I think is a big deal, and then kicks Everton back on next season. And this one, it's, it is a transitionary season, but transitionary seasons can be fun. And I think that the point about Martinez is Martinez could be a lot more fun than Moyes, even if he doesn't feel as likely to come sixth or seventh. He could be a great deal more fun to follow. Yeah, he's, uh, and, and he's got a great smile as well, which, which Brendan sort of takes a lead man. But Brendan's taken need of it as well with his, uh, his new pearly whites, hasn't he? So, well, Bre- Brendan's, Br- Brendan's new pearly whites are part of the whole uh, the, the whole reboot of Brendan Rodgers' pa- uh, <laughs> package. We'll talk about the whole yeah. reboot of Brendan Rodgers' package. Yeah, in going a back or two. to Martinez, don't like let's talk about Martinez because yeah. what I noticed was that's that's a side that Everton side cuts loose. And last season in that game, as as a red looking for Everton to drop points, I would have looked at that. I would have looked at the fact that Gibson was out, and I would have gone mm, fancy Norwich. Yeah. And that's really interesting. I would actually have gone fancy Norwich. The way in which... I've only seen highlights. I didn't see the full 90. But the way in which Everton went about solving the problem of not having Gibson, I thought was fascinating. I thought that they seemed to be so much 
huge amount of fluidity in midfield really um, when, when in the frenetic second half that wasn't based all entirely on breakdowns it seemed to me to be you know it was it was uh, it was a looser Everton the ball was on the deck a little bit more mm. it just seemed to be and I thought I actually thought that what was interesting was I thought Jelovic looked slightly slightly reborn he did and there, there are a couple of reasons for that and with Gibson out it did concern me and I did have us down for the draw at Norwich but in, in a negative sort of way we probably should have won the game looking back on it but uh, with the midfield, Osman had, had a stinker firstly. I'll get that out of the way first of all, um, which left Fellaini to do a lot of his dirty work. It was great to see him dropping deep. That, in turn, led to Jelovic having a lot more freedom and a lot more confidence, and we've seen it in pre-season. He scored quite a few goals in pre-season. He looked back to his... Not back to his best, but maybe... He looked as if that was the, the striker we originally got, getting in those goal-scoring positions, scoring with one-touch finishes, etc. Um, Fellaini dropping deeper... A lot of people, including myself originally, when, when I was looking back on the game, because obviously I was in, in the tower doing my, um, my usual duties on a Saturday afternoon, uh, when I first watched the game, I thought Fellaini didn't have such a good impact, but looking at his stats after the match, he was head and shoulders above a lot of players, and mm. uh, obviously Ross Barkley was a complete sensation. You know, I, I said on Twitter at the time, the Barkley has landed, and... Uh, the good thing about having Martinez in charge, I think he will be given a run of games in the team. Well, it's um, what I think about the, the Barkley thing is that it, it looks as though he's also been uh, given permission to cut loose and given permission to make mistakes. I think I think Martinez gave an interview where he said, or a press conference where he said something like that. You know, he's going to give as long as he can. He thinks the lad's putting it in, um, and certainly from his from, from his responsibilities, he's going to be given given leave to make his mistakes. And I think this is one of the toughest things in football. I think this is one of the issues why it's easier to be a proper. Attack Attacking young player, uh, e.g. Raheem Sterling, uh, Jordan Ibe. Uh, it's easier to be one of those sorts of young players than to be one who, who's either a defensive young player or certainly one in the middle of the park because no one wants to see mistakes <laughs> on a football pitch. It's the thing that drives supporters to distraction because the, the, the deeper you are, the more your mistakes negatively impact a football yeah. team. So if... If Martinez is going to give Barkley license to make mistakes, to learn from them, to grow from them, as long as he, as long as he does that, he could be the best possible coach um, in a few senses. Certainly, the best, the most likely coach that the Barkley could have at this time. And, and, and having had the lower league time, he looks like he's got the brawn about him. He's carrying himself the right way. Mm. And now suddenly, it, you know, it could be it could be a very good time for for, for him that this managerial change has happened for Everton to have a transitional twelve months because it could be the twelve months that turns him from one to watch into first team player yeah well the, the very interesting thing about that we had Alan Stubbs on co-commentary this week and uh, he was asked about Barkley by Alan Irwin and he said that under Moyes Moyes was very apprehensive of playing him at times because of those mistakes that are naturally going to be in his game at this stage and he said Moyes wouldn't put him in the team because he was fearful of what it could potentially cost Everton in a chase for European football which yeah. we were largely in up until three four games to go now like you say in this transitional period it the shackles are off him to a certain extent and Martinez can experiment with him he, he can certainly give him that game time which he's missed so far and it, it sort of I think that sort of epitomises everything about Martinez coming to Everton is that it's very much a clean slate for, for everybody in the side Yeah, and um, he, he's obviously grasped that chance straight away because it was a fantastic performance and goal it's, well, the, the goal obviously helps to crystallise the performance. 
Again, I've only seen the highlights. I couldn't see the game because I was at our game. Um, yeah, although it was a little bit later, but it still was very difficult. Um, it, 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 supposedly, you'll have seen the full 90 minutes, obviously, Dave. You know, it's um, Supposedly, his all-round game was excellent as well, linking things up, looking looking sharp, looking decent. You know, highlights can only show you so much, but if the, you know, the player can really play himself into into some into a starting position for Everton quite quickly here. He, he looked, he looked a, you know, a real strong player. He was... When he'd lose the ball, because he, he, he still did, don't get me wrong, he still had those touches where it got away from him a little bit. I think there was there was one standout highlight in the middle of the first half where he got past the ball, it, went, it rolled underneath his foot because he tried to put a studs on top of the ball, got three or four yards <coughs> in front of him and there was a 50-50 coming along. He, he won the 50-50, carried on going, knocked it too far in front of himself again, yeah. shoulder bars the lad out the way and just kept going. And that hunger, desire... It matched with strength. He's going to be very, very hard to cope with. I've got this theory about football, um, increasingly, that often some of the best football happens when mistakes are made, in that suddenly something odd is happening on the pitch and players have got to, have got to reconvene themselves very quickly. They've, yeah. they've got to commune with themselves, both the player who, players who make the mistakes, but also, you know, I think that there's times you'll see, for instance, an overhit pass, which will then go to, by accident, another one of your players, but now they've anticipated the player, go, the ball going to the player where it should have done. Things like, I think that, you know, I thought that happened a couple of times in Liverpool, actually, on Saturday. You're watching the game and it's, it's something goes wrong, but in your favour, I think it can crystallise a player's performance. I think a really good example of that is, is that you know players can sometimes create 50-50s, which they then go on to win, when what would happen if they had the good touch was the player who was closing them down and stand them up, yeah. and they go, mm, all right, I'll lay it off. Yeah. Whereas sometimes you can get that moment where there is a 50-50, you then win the 50-50, you've got broken through that player's barrier, you've got the ball again, and you're looking to push on. Uh, you know, I think that that's something that's quite interesting in football, because we, we again, it's back to we expect footballers to be consistently spot on in everything that they do, but sometimes not being spot on can actually, you know, if you can adapt to not being spot on, you become, you be, you're able to break people down a little bit. How did, um, how did they look at the back Everton? Because the big question mark about about Martinez's his, his, his tenure at Everton is that he is going to be looser. Was it, were, were they looking good as solid as a unit? Because they should be pretty well drilled by now, you'd have thought Coleman, Jagielka, Distan and Baines. Well, this is the thing that he's got in his favour, isn't it? He's got a unit that's been together for a while now, that know each other that are defensively usually sound. Now, last season, we didn't keep that many clean sheets, but I remember speaking to Distan at the time about it, and he said, well, the clean sheets don't stand out because we're only conceding a maximum of one goal mm. per game, and that then in turn leads into a Martinez philosophy of, well, we'll score more than you, which is, I think, the way Everton will go this season at some point. Um, looking at the back four against Norwich, it was, and it concerned me in pre-season as well, it wasn't as solid as I thought, albeit the two goals we conceded were just pure, a lot of it was down to pure luck. Stephen Whitaker, I hope he put the, uh, the lottery <laughs> on that night, Neil, honestly, you'll never see yeah. well, three more instances of, of luck where a goal can come from it. His first one, two deflections, runs through two players, hits the post, comes back to him, knocks it in. And then the second one, he hits a cross that I could only hit with my left foot, which <laughs> is just for standing on, by the way. And it's gone straight to uh, Van Wolfswinkel's head. And it, he's finished it really well, to be fair. But it's a great finish. It is. It is a great finish. There's not much the goalkeeper can do about it. That shows they're an interesting side this season, Norwich, as well. I was intrigued when, it, when, it, when Everton got Norwich's first game of the season uh, because 
Norwich are one of those sides who finished that bottom 13, but they have spent. And you do wonder about, you know, it, it, you feel as though it could perhaps go a little bit either way for them, but th- that's a strong first result, I think. I think I think it's one of those results that, that does everybody. Um, and that Norwich are probably mildly happy that they, that, that haven't come from behind to, to, to rescue the point and not have, the, not have the defeat on the first game of the season. That's decent. I think it's it was important for Martinez not to lose, um, especially being away from home uh, rather than win. It's this next home game now that's going to be the big deal, isn't it, Dave? It's got to be... Evan need a result next weekend, I think. They need to get three points. Yeah, I think it's massive for, for everyone, I think, that we get three points against West Brom because they were quite poor against Southampton as well. And they're terrible this calendar year, West Brom. Mm. They were great going up to the New Year point, but this calendar year they look poor. Now they haven't got Lukaku. It's, you know, it's... it's yeah. it's, it's, it's Cl- thing. Steve Clark's back in his car again, isn't he? Steve Clark's sleeping in his car. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure what's going on. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is a big deal, I think, this now, isn't it? If, if, if Everton can take, can take three points there, then it will actually... But you know, but actually, ironically, it's only two games, but it, I think we need to we need to consign the following cliche to the dustbin of football in history. It's not a sprint; it's a marathon. Mm. I actually think it's an 800 meters race. It's two laps of 400 meters, yeah. and you're pretty much going full pelt from the from, from the off. You know, if Everton can have four points after the after, from the first six games, sorry, from the first six available, four points from the first six available, that's a great base to work from from the rest of the season, and yeah. it, it puts them in a good position. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But looking. From last season to this, you know, remember we sat here talking about that game against Chelsea where Everton got beat 2 1. The, the way they played the football was so intense, and yeah. then they'd have to back off. Against Norwich, I thought we'd seen a, a difference in Everton seemed to go through the gears quite naturally, and it was really pleasing to see, particularly when they went 1 0 down. As soon as they got that equalising goal, they looked relentless going forward. Norwich scored at a re- I, know, I know there's no good time to concede the goal. They scored at a really bad time because Everton looked like they were going to go and make it three, possibly four yeah. after that. Um, it was really interesting how that differed from the Moyes approach with the same 11, with essentially, the, as well. Not the idea of essentially a blitzkrieg from the opening yeah. of the game, instead, building the game. It was a much game. more measured approach. Uh, I thought it took us a while to get going, and I was concerned. First 20, 30 minutes, uh, although there weren't any goal-scoring chances, I was concerned how laboured we looked. Um, I was thinking about, you know, we went, uh, you know, a high-profile pre-season tour to America to come yeah. back off. Against Real Betis last week in the friendly, we looked very, very slow, very, very tired. Uh, that tiredness did catch up with them last 15, 20 minutes. I was slight concern there, but other than that, that that 20 minute spell where we went through all of those goals, I was very pleased with how Everton responded to going 1 0 down. But also, when they went in front, they looked like they wanted to kill the game off. That wasn't necessarily the, get case the, third. the they, were, yeah. they were aggressive in pursuit of the third. Yeah, and I think that's going to be a major difference under Martinez. I think, I think he'll. It'll, it'll be like a shark sniffing blood, essentially, when, when they go 1-0 up. He'll want to kill the game off. And that could be a big, big difference for Everton yeah. this season. I think it's one of the things that could crystallise Everton as being perhaps slightly more attractive to watch. It may mean that they're more open, um, you know, at the other end, more uh, open to the counter. It's, you know, it takes time for these teams to calm down. And also, the other thing that happens as well is it takes a little bit of time, I think, for teams to start scouting each other, seeing where weaknesses are. You can surprise people a little bit at this stage of the season. But the idea of Everton going through the gears is something that's interesting. It's interesting. We're going to talk about transfers later. But it's interesting with linking with someone like Gareth Barry, mm-hmm. who can hold it together but also knows how to conduct the tempo of a football match. You know, he's done it at, at the highest level in this league, effectively. He's, 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 he's pulled the strings of a side that's able to, to ratchet up the pace like that and also is simultaneously able to stay solid um, when you need to in a football match. I think, you know, if there's one link that's, that, that, that's exciting for Everton at the moment, it's... It's the player that gets the ball quickly to Morales, gets it quickly to Fellaini, gets it out of 
out of the defence's feet and able is able to arrow it forward 20 yards and that could be Barry. Exactly, exactly right. I'm very excited by the prospect of him potentially coming in and I was surprised that not so many Blues are because, I mean, I've seen one guy put Barton or Barry as, a, as an alternative on, on Twitter. I was astounded by that. But going back to what you said, yeah, Barry gets the ball, he shifts it, he's a passer to the football, and that's essentially what we need in that midfield. And he just links it up. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you look when you've got outlets like Morales, Pienaar, Coleman bombing on from fullback, I, I think he'd be absolutely perfect sitting in there. I, th- I think he'd be, I mean, I, I, I'd have him at Liverpool still, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as, as, as competition stroke and alternate to Lucas. I think it would, it would it would supplement Liverpool's squad. I think it's the sort of it's exactly the sort of player who comes into Everton's squad um, and it really is able to offer something. And I think, you know, it's, it's an intriguing link with the way, the sort of football that you, you expect Martinez to want to play um, you know able comfortable on both sides able to move to the left it would only make Everton's left side even stronger he's the sort of player that if Baines goes he can just easily slot across and do a little bit covering that left back position he's he's, he's a, I think he's an excellent footballer and he's exactly the sort of player who deserves to be starting even at the age of 32 deserves to be starting every single week in the Premier League those defensive attributes sort of make him more attractive for me because I think it'll be a while before... I, I think ultimately Everton will turn into a team where they'll have that mentality where we're going to go and score more goals than you, and that'll make them very exciting to watch. But I don't think that they have the confidence going forward at the moment because it's still all new to them. They didn't do it. They, they had the players to do it, but Moyes didn't always let them. Martinez, I think you'll see that relentless attacking style with Martinez, but I also think we're not, we, we still need to be strong enough at the back because we will concede goals. Well, he's the sort of player, Barry's the sort of player who makes something like a three at the back work. Yeah. In that, he allows everyone else to go and play. He's comfortable. He can, you know, he's the sort of player who can still. He's six foot one. He can drop in, and and, and if a centre half goes, he can cover a centre half. If your left hand side of player goes, he can cover him. He can step out with the ball. He's got that sort of ability to. He's, he's, you know, he's a proper footballer who can who can do it in two or three different positions. Can slot in across all over the place. There, I think it's 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 exactly the sort of link that I, I think Evertonian should be excited Absolutely. by. Um, the question is of course eternally with getting players from City as wages because he'll obviously be on a fortune to go there I think when Liverpool were going in for him back then he was um, one of the issues there was that he was he was seduced into going to City because they offered him something like over the course of the contract about £17 million more than Liverpool were able to so that's got to be the worry there but if you know if he is prepared to take a pay cut then it, you know it, it, it could be a good move so what's the West Brom's the next one yeah uh, did you get in the League Cup uh, Stephen at your home. Oh, excellent stuff. Okay, uh, so it's it should be as the start of the season goes for Everton. You know, there's opportunities now, isn't there, to kick on, to push on there, get through that League Cup game, take the take the points against against West Brom, and it's it, it becomes then an excellent start for the manager. It does, and, and I think it's important for him as well to get that start because you know it, it's all very well and good going into a season full of optimism. We mostly do every year. That's what we do as fans. As football supporters, yeah. You look and you think, yeah, you know, you, you'd expect 10, 20, 30% more out of the players that were poor for you last season. It's just the natural way things are. There's a massive difference between that and what actually goes on. And what we've seen against Norwich, the hype was, you know, it was there. But also he delivered to a certain extent. I think that's crucial for him because, I mean, countless Evertonians on Twitter, myself included, have got carried away this summer with... You know, there's been nobody leave yet. I don't, that remains to be seen with what we've seen today from Man United. But the players that are still there, plus a few that he's added, which have been, been quite savvy 
I think, I think he's very in. savvy indeed. Yeah. You know, uh, Delofu, I think that's how you pronounce it, looks interesting. Kone, I think, is a very, very good sign. And I think he's a good I think he's a good addition to any side. He's yeah. the sort of player who you like to have as a cover for a centre forward. He can get himself around the pitch. Mm-hmm. He's got a real presence about him. And then there's there's also the, there's the emergence of Barclays, which we've touched upon, but yeah. there's also been the pre-season form of Stones as well. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's, and, and, and the feeling that this, these players, you know, as, as we started the part discussing, might get more of a gamble played on them there. You know, there's a fair chance if Stones impresses, in training, he's impressed in pre-season. There's a fair chance that you know Moyes will lash him in. Yeah, the, I, I think the young players have got a fantastic chance under Martinez. I, I was scared there was going to be a bit of a, a vacuum with Moyes towards the end of his Everton career because these youngsters were getting to a stage where they were ready for first-team football, but they weren't given that chance. Obviously, Barkley epitomised that. Uh, Moyes wasn't willing to take the risk given Everton's position in the league. Yeah, fair enough to a certain extent, but. The question then becomes, if you don't want to loan these players out, how are they ever going to get that experience under the belt? I think Martinez, he'll be typical in the in the League Cup. Much to the dismay of Evertonians to a certain extent, I think he will put a second string, and I mean a second string side out, in the League Cup, although he's going to value a trophy. I think it's crucial to get those young players who are potentially first team is into the side quickly and that's going to be very very interesting there for Everton and it's the way in which as well you know he's going to he's going to use to get those players go, go and get them I think it's important we've discussed last season about the idea of Everton struggling for a squad and I think that if two or three of them can come through from the, from the youth ranks and really supplement a squad then it'll help immensely uh, come later in the season he's got to have this I thought what Liverpool did last season I understand why Liverpool did it the way they did it because there was a shortage of players at the start of the season but you sh- it, it, it would be nice to feel as though you're bedding in your younger players to feel as though they can play a bit of a part January, February, March, rather than what Liverpool ended up having to do through expediency, which was use them sort of August, September, October, and then slowly but surely fade each and every one of them out uh, as the season wore on and, and it ends up with only a squad of effectively 12 or 13 players the manager was using. If, if Manners can do it the other way, Barkley and Stones impress, one, one more emerges, yeah. and then they're ready for maybe a run of games around March, and that could be in a better position. Well, squad is the word because you know towards the end of last season you could have sort of almost detached Everton starting 11 plus say I don't know Anachibi um, and do one more say say 12 or 13 of them for the sake of injury even away from the substitute substitute bench and you could point at the lads on the bench and say look you're not, you're not going to get a game mm. you're just there to make up the numbers obviously there's an argument there for the seven subs rule but you look at those lads there yeah. they're not getting on the football pitch you know you've got Oviedo there who looks like really good and it takes me back to Moyes when we got knocked out of the League Cup last season Moyes said all of these lads who've started against Leeds and it wasn't an experienced squad they're all going to get a chance this season let them down against Leeds you didn't see them again Francisco Junior meant to be hot prospect Portuguese midfielder the lads confidence must be lower than the floor yeah you know it does nothing for them. It's a difficult time to do this. Um, this is all in the game. We're glad to be back. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. Uh, we're going to talk mostly about Colo Torre in the next 15 minutes. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. It's all in the game. It's early season. There have been teething problems, we've just been told. Uh, the first 15 minutes of the show or so weren't recorded. Um, about five minutes of that. So if you're never Tony and you want to... Conspiracy this? It, well, I, I did actually say in the opening, you know, we were doing what extra time weren't doing. We were, we were covering the blues <laughs> at length. I mean, we, that was 20 minutes of Everton chat, Dave. Which Hothersall's I, pulled the plug. Do you think it's a Hothersall yeah. Hothersall conspiracy? Hothersall and Law were sitting outside the studio laughing their heads off, r- holding the plug in the hand. Rubbing their hands together like Top Cat, top cat with a fish that's just... <laughs> 
tomato bulbs. <laughs> That's what they're doing right now, the pair of them. Um, when else on City Talk 105.9 do you get 20 minutes of unfettered Evertonian chat? And it's happened on all in the game tonight. You might not believe it, but we came on air at three minutes past six. I looked at the clock at 23 minutes past six, and Dave was still going, giving it the Evertonian big one. But those times have gone. I think you've now got it's consigned to legend. It's consi- it is consigned to legend. It is consigned to legend. We're all just going to have to, you know, by all means, try and uh, get a Sammy's Dak copy and pass it around amongst yourselves <laughs> on an old cassette tape. Uh, you meet up in boozers and say, I think I've got it. I've got the Evertonian City Talk 20 minutes. 105, City Talk 105.9, that time where they did nothing but talk about Everton on, a, lost mi- episode. on a mixed show for over 20 minutes. <laughs> it'll, uh, it'll go, it will go down in legends. It'll be discussed in hushed tones. It'll go away. It'll be sold forever. <laughs> it will be sold forever in the, uh, what's the name of the gallery in, L- in Liverpool which does the record fair? I've forgotten now, unfortunately. The Blue Coat Gallery, <laughs> yeah. where they get those tapes in there. Established 1776, and they never thought they'd see the day. Anyway, this is City Talk 105.9, making Brian LeBone proud. But we're moving ourselves along now, unfortunately, to talk about Liverpool Football Club. Um, and we're talking about, we're going to talk about Cole, I think, first and foremost. It's knocked people over. The, the, this, the way in which Colo Torre Dave has thrown himself into playing for Liverpool Football Club, it appears as though at the age of 32, when he's coming on a free transfer, he's decided, I'm going to make this the best two, three years of my career. Not, not just a career, probably his life. Could be his life. He has thrown himself at everything. He's thrown himself at the media. He's thrown himself at the fans. He's thrown himself at the city. He's just... As an Evertonian, he's been a breath of fresh air to watch because... You know, we've been bogged down all summer with characters like Luis Suarez and uh, potentially whatever's going to happen with him and the, the mis- general misery that surrounded that sort of story all Torre, summer. Torre doesn't do misery. Torre's come in. I, I put it on Twitter last week. I, he's come in and he's looked at the situation. Have you summed it up? Have no, you interviewed him for, no, for one of your other things? No, I was no, wondering if you had... Steve just can't stop raving about him. He's got a T-shirt with him on and everything. <laughs> It's great. I, uh, Go on, sorry. It was just glorious. Um, I've, I sort of dodge pre-season a little bit. I watched some of the friendlies, but I don't like to sort of uh, get get too much into it. But his entire joie de vivre, he's a bizarre world, Jamie Carragher, um, in that he hasn't got the weight of 100 years of Liverpool history on his shoulders. He's got all the experience in the world. He seems to be so infectious as a personality. Um, I would now follow him into the very jaws of hell itself <laughs> if he urged me to. I am desperate to become one of Colo's heroes. It's like it's like he's come in, walked into the dressing room, looked around, seen all the players, and he's gone, boys, why aren't you smiling? This is just boss. Yeah, you're playing football every day. You're playing for Liverpool. Let's go. You're getting paid loads to play well, for Liverpool. This is boss. This should be a laugh. Well, this is this is exactly it. And he's also... There's this attitude of... I, I, I've depicted it as... You know when you're on a night out and you're not sure and you think it could go either way and then you think... I'm going to make this boss. Yeah. That's that's what he's... It's almost like he's had a look and he's gone... Yeah. All right, Colo. This is your night, this. Let's go. Let's get everyone yeah. moving. Come on, boys. Let's go. Let's go to the bar. Oh, what, what do you want? Let's kick it on. <laughs> yeah. Let's kick on, boys. Let's kick on. It's my round. It's, it's my round. Yeah. It's my round for the next three. We're going to yeah. go here tonight. So don't, no one... It's, don't be backwards about coming forwards. I'm going over. I've got some change for the jukebox. We're whacking on Britney, yeah. Britney Spears and Will I Am with, with scream and shout. <laughs> it's going to go right off tonight, lads. And that's what Colo's brought, I think. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a massive, massive, massive... Just... And it was, he was so gutted 
when the penalty was given away. Mm. He was like, he howled and punched the floor. He was so upset. He covered his face. He was so desperate to win. It's not just about it being a laugh. He's so desperate to do well, I think. Um, and again, I think that's infectious. The whole team, the atmosphere at Liverpool, um, the ground itself, the, uh, the support was better, uh, significantly better. We talked about this a few times last season. It was significantly better. Post the penalty save, it was the best it's been for years. It was just uh, the ground went berserk and stayed berserk. It felt so defiant, teeth grinding together, shouting Liverpool at the top of your voice. It seemed so, so much of what's missing from, from football generally, I think, a little bit, but also what's been missing at times from Anfield. It was the opposite of last season, the darkness of getting beat 3-0 against West Brom, giving something daft away at, uh, at, at Manchester City when we were 2-1 up at home, and then the home game against Arsenal after we failed to sign Dempsey. Those three games really sapped the opening of Liverpool season last year. This year, it felt the complete opposite. Everyone was bouncing coming out of the ground. Mignolet saved the day, but there were so many, so many, many positives to look back on, Dave. Yeah, you know, anyone listening to you talking now, if they didn't know who Liverpool played, the last team they'd guess would be Stoke. Well, exactly. You'd think that reaction could be, that is just impossible, because you talk about sapping the life out of people, generally, what, three minutes into the game, you're generally thinking... I can't wait to get the pub after this. Yeah, because you're playing Stoke. You're playing Stoke. Whereas, you know, you, you, you look, you're looking at Coutinho do fantastic things on the football pitch. Um, you know, Coutinho was great. He's, he, he does what he does, but Lucas and Gerrard were imperious. They very much own the midfield. There's just there's just one or two little niggling questions for Liverpool, I think. I think they could still do with a, another centre-half um, in order to play when, uh, certainly when you come up against sides like Stoke, because and Villa will do it next weekend. They'll target Aga. It'll be interesting Ben Teche, won't it? He'll, target, he'll play on Aga all game, I think, um, and, give, and try to give Aga on the hall, get back on the hall on Torre. Uh, I think if Liverpool could have an alternative there to drop in when that's going to happen, that'd be good. That's something that could still do with being solved. The next thing that needs to be solved, and I think it's the hardest thing, is the midfield from 70 minutes in games onwards that you're not cruising in. Because neither Lucas nor Gerard quite have 90 minutes energy for a centre mid for a hectic Premier League game. Uh, Lucas could still get back to that point, but I don't think he will. I think it's I think he's but he's Liverpool's only true holding midfielder. So if you want to up, if it's a close game, you want to keep him on. Um Gerard is the monolithic captain. You don't want to take him off because everyone will be going, Oh, he's took Gerard off. And that's what, what, what... It's almost an instant negative yeah, mentally, isn't exactly. It? And also, Gerard, on 90, you know, Gerard won, won two great balls and went, went down the corner and was prepared to be born. And, you know, he, he, he very much... You know, when Liverpool needed him from 90 onwards, he was he stood up and was counted Gerard. It's not it's not a personality thing. It's just that the legs can't quite go. And if the, if the opposition do... Like, Stoke made two changes on 60 and then they made another one on 80. So if the opposition do inject some energy there, and as, as Rob Gunton pointed out, that's, you know, if you, if you, that's 33% of your side. You're essentially replenished the energy of... You know, if they do that, then there is a question mark about both of them because you don't want to take either off, but maybe you might have to, or you need to find another solution, which I think... Could Henderson drop and play that role after 70? He could. Henderson himself could, but you've got Allen on the bench. Um, You know, there's other options there. You could have used Allen there as well, but Henderson could have dropped in, but he didn't do that. What he actually did the weekend was he took Aspas off on 60-odd, and he pulled Coutinho in to play essentially as as a Liverpool number seven, as a number 10, 
and then he played St- Sturridge hugging the right touch line and Sterling hugging the left touch line. I think just to play on the counter and to try to force the Stoke fullbacks back, that was the thought process. But what that led to was the Stoke line just pushed up, uh, compressed the midfield, which meant that Liverpool's midfield then had more to do. And Coutinho didn't know whether or not he was coming or going. He didn't know whether or not he was meant to push there or drop and wait. Then when they were, when they were knocking it round, if they got past him, he just hung on. So then they've got, you know, it's two on two in midfield again now, so they can flood the space a little bit. So I think he was trying to solve it like that. The problem is, though, you may need to choose. You may need to look at it. And I wouldn't mind seeing, I thought there wasn't enough fit last season. I'd like to see the manager be prepared post-60 in games, which it looks like Liverpool have got one going forward, to maybe look at taking one of Lucas and Gerrard off when they're on the pitch, just to get people used to it, just so it doesn't feel like, oh, I can't believe he's done that. Is he, it's a high-risk ploy, most fans would say, though, because, you know, you're 1-0 up against... Well, I wouldn't do it well, exactly, well, exactly, you wouldn't do it against United yeah. and you wouldn't do it at 1-0. What I mean is more like last season against Wigan, Liverpool were 4-0 up uh, right, for, on, on about 55. Yeah. Gerrard finished the game. Why? Lucas finished the game. There's no need for both yeah. of them to finish that game. I understand that the manager wants to get them used to playing each other as much as possible, but it might be time now to, you know, to, to, to let the team learn how to play without either Lucas or Gerrard because I also think that it's I say it's the personality thing on, for Gerrard it's also the fact that he's fantastic at football uh, but Lucas you know Lucas played really well but he's also a big personality when it goes off in the middle of the park on 91 minutes with Nzonzi being an idiot with Coutinho and Coutinho deciding he's going to be an idiot back basically yeah. kicking off back it's Lucas who comes in first and then it's Gerrard these are your two personalities yeah. the two leaders in there you know they're prepared to get involved in this in this sort of stuff so I think that's part of the issue. They need, they, Liverpool need to learn again, because I think they, they nailed it once, but Liverpool need to learn again how to play without Gerrard. And I think that they could also do with not necessarily feeling as though Lucas has got to be on the pitch constantly. You know, it'd be nice if someone else can take that mantle on. So uh, that'd be good. Uh, Results aside, how different is this Liverpool? Because I heard Rodgers before on the news saying that this is a far different Liverpool, far better Liverpool than a year ago. Do you go along with that? Yeah, I do completely. Uh, I think the massive thing is he's got pace and options and I think the way he wants to play has changed. I don't think he wants Liverpool to be... To, you know, you look at the, the percentage, the, the possession stats, they're quite interesting. Liverpool were only on 52% and Stoke were on 48 which I think is very interesting. You know, you'd have thought it would be the other way around. So I think there's that aspect. I think also generally there's just simply better players uh, knocking around now. Um, I think there's just... The, the, there are more good players... Uh, at his disposal, which helps hugely. The other thing, though, which again I think nails on this this, this shift, Liverpool need to buy a number nine, and it's I'm becoming more. And I, if you'd have asked me this four weeks ago, I'd have looked at you like you had two heads. But since then, I've seen Liverpool play in Melbourne with um, Barini leading the line in the flesh. I've seen Liverpool play uh, on the telly against Stoke. Oh, I love that Barini in the flesh. Well, Barini in the flesh. <laughs> but I mean, I was there. So I, I, I saw Liverpool play against Celtic. Sorry, with um, first half Aspas leading the line, and then Sturridge came on. The difference it made when Sturridge came on. Was massive because he plays as a as a very good conventional number nine. He runs the channels. He's got pace. He can hold it up. He's you know he's, he's a good player, yeah. but he's, he's bringing this other stuff to the table. And then the third the third thing I've seen as well is um, obviously Sturridge lead the line against Stoke. And then what happened on sixty from when Sturridge began to really tire, and that that's what allowed Stoke back into the game to push up and to 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 make things more difficult for Liverpool from seventy onwards. And I think that if he's not prepared to bring Barini on for Sturridge to play centre-forward when Liverpool have had um, 
I've had, when Sturridge, Sturridge has had no pre-season and is clearly very, very tired, then he isn't prepared to bring Barini out to, to play centre-forward. And I don't think Liverpool can afford to have only two players who you think can lead the line. I don't think Aspas can. If he doesn't think Barini can, and I don't think Barini can either, then he's got Suarez and he's got Sturridge. And as he probably wants to have both of them on the pitch at the, at the same time for a lot of the time when he's playing this season, then I think he needs a third number nine. And it doesn't have to be a great player. Yeah. It needs Kone's a good example of exactly the sort of yeah. player I'm thinking yeah, of. absolutely. Someone who's got real legs, who's got movement, who's got a bit of presence about him. Someone who you can just bring on, you can use in the League Cup. Sturridge, you know, Sturridge has got an, a, a history of injury questions hanging over him as well. Someone who you can allow to rotate, to come in, maybe do, you know, when, we, uh, we've, got a, when we've got a run of two or three quite straightforward home games, get him to do one of them in the middle. If Liverpool got three games in a week, get him to do one in the middle. A player to do that stretch the play mean that the opposition can't push up because Liverpool have got so many options to play between Lucas Leiva and a centre forward mm. they've got you know you think about the, there's obviously Coutinho who's magic there's um, there's there's Aspas there's Suarez there's uh, Ibe there's Sterling you know there's uh, even Barini falls into the category there's also Gerrard there's Henderson there's Allen who can all play in these areas so you then you pick your horses for courses you might you decide what it is that you want to do to the opponents how you want to stretch them how you want to trouble them but if you've constantly got that space to do it in because you're stretching the play with yeah. a proper nine. And I think that I understand why Liverpool are after Will I am. And if they get him, you know, he could be a really good player. Looks like he can go past people in threes and fours. He's strong, plays in wide areas. But if there's money left in the budget um, for the to get to get someone in, again, it doesn't have to be a world beater. And a good example of it is Kone. It's Wolfswinkle, who scored for Norwich. Yeah. You know, he's, he ran the channels, well, what I saw on the highlights. He ran the channels. It cost 10 to 12 million. This is. Maybe, you know, if, if Liverpool can make the budget stretch to that point, then I think they've got a really good chance of being just, for 90 minutes, difficult to play against. And the big difference between Liverpool last season and this season, and even when they were good last season, Liverpool against Stoke were really hard to play against for all 70 of the first 70 minutes. You would not have wanted to be Stoke. For 70 minutes, you wouldn't have wanted to be Stoke, whereas normally I even I'd think, I could handle being in the Stoke team. For 70 minutes, you wouldn't have wanted to be Stoke. So if Liverpool can be hard to play against for 90 minutes, if they can get the, feel as though there's options from the bench to restore that squad and have 90 minutes against everyone, then this season I think Liverpool could be a real handful. Liverpool have only lost two games since they went to Old Trafford on the 16th of January. Yeah, yeah. I, I think looking at Liverpool, obviously not wanting them to do well. Essentially, it was an, an eye opener on on Saturday. That intensity, I couldn't believe that it was it was kept up for so long against Stoke of all teams, and it's that you know you don't like to use Stoke as a barometer for, for any means of anything to do with football. But if you're not going to be have the energy shaft out here, as we mentioned earlier. Stokes the team you measure that against, isn't it? Essentially, because they do. That's what they do. Exactly. They'll find a way of squeezing the life out of you, of, 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 of finding a way to stopping you from yeah. getting any momentum up, and they couldn't do it. It was only when Liverpool themselves tired, and obviously stamina grows the season wears on as well, which you can't underestimate. Mm-hmm. But if Liverpool can have, as I say, that other player that runs those channels, that makes that, that means because Coutinho, you, you, you see storage. Couldn't Aspas do that? I don't think he can, no. I don't think he's strong enough. I think he looks really interesting. He's a player who can flick. He's a player who can get involved a lot. You could play Suarez and Aspas. Uh, you could have Suarez doing leading the line and Aspas playing off him, and they'd, they'd end up mixing those jobs up yeah. a fair bit. But 
I think that you want someone who is, you know, he's, he's six foot, six foot one, who goes into the channels, who's broad, who can, who, who can, you know, just, just, just mean that the defence can never think we can go five yards here, we can come ten yards, yeah. and I think that that's what you're looking for. We'll have more on this. We'll talk about the transfers coming up. This is all in the game. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. Ah, oh, it's good to be back. <laughs> Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game. We haven't got much time left because there's been far too much talk of actual football rather than transfers. Isn't the first day of the season great, Dave? All that nonsense, you get to shed it, and then what had to happen? But Everton had to release a statement saying that they've rejected, rightly, a bid bid they've termed derisory for Fellaini and um, Baines. Uh, This is United acting the goat, isn't it, surely? It is, but I have a far bigger issue than that in that statement. The punctuate, sorry, the grammar in that statement was atrocious. (laughs) Oh, look it up, Evertonians. If you listen, the last look- word of the statement is "anyway," as one word, not <laughs> "any way," which is the in, way it was in meant. any way. Yes, in, 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 any, in any way. Yeah. No, in any. <laughs> That's what really got me down. Oh, excellent! Because stuff. we spelled Wembley wrong on shirts and everything, you know, at Everton. So <laughs> it's just not getting any better. <laughs> uh, but seriously, yeah. Do you they're not bothered by you know when you're on Microsoft Word, yeah. and the red stuff, the spell check, and they're on so top. Ignore of that. all, ignore all. Well, they're, they're on top of the spell yeah. check stuff, but they're not sure about the green stuff with the grammar. Yeah, they're like they're, they're ignoring the green. What, what, what's this what, mean? What's the green mean? Don't worry about yeah. it. Just sort the red out. Good. Sort the red yeah. out. Just means it's a good word. <laughs> yeah. Uh, going back to it, seriously. Uh, it was uh, quite a pathetic offer, wasn't it, from United? And I don't really buy into the fact. I've seen a lot of Evertonians saying to me today that it's not Moyes that, that's done this, and I refuse to believe that. Well, do you think it's it's just the chief executive? He, he said to Moyes, "What two players do you want?" He's picked them two. It could be. I mean, you don't know. I think that the point is that, like for instance, I don't think I refuse to believe Wenger threw in a forty million and one pound offer yeah. for, for Suarez. You know, because Wenger's better than that. Ultimately, um, he's been involved in the discussions. What I'm trying to say. Well, Moyes must have been involved yeah. in the discussions, and he must feel as though he can get yeah. he can get Fellaini for less than twenty three million. And then, of course, what what everyone else is kicking up the fuss about afterwards in the aftermath of it is that Everton have not said that neither Baines or Fellaini are for sale. Now, I don't have a problem with that. I think Everton have actually, aside from the spelling mistake, have, have made a really good effort at this because they clearly are for sale. Everton, like it or not, are a selling club when it comes, you know, when push comes to shove. What I think they've handled incredibly well is saying that they've, they've put United in a, in a bad situation. They've made Man United look bad. They've made them look silly. I think that is a lot better than actually saying, look, no, they're not for sale, and then... In what ten days' time we sell them the before oh, the transfer compl- window shuts. I completely agree with that. I, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do uh, you think Fellaini's going to go? Yeah. Where's he going to go? I think he'll go to United. Do you think he'll go to United? Mm-hmm. I don't think Fellaini will go to United. Do you think so? No, I think Fellaini will go to Arsenal or Chelsea. Really? Yeah, I think Fellaini will go to Arsenal see, or Chelsea. I see Arsenal panic buying him. Well, yeah, I can see it in, in part being panic. I think they've had, they'll have had their eye on him for a while, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if Fellaini went to Arsenal. If Arsenal were prepared to just go tomorrow, or as we get closer and closer, there's 25 million. Yeah. It would not surprise me at all. Um, I think Fellaini will go. I think Baines will stay. Do you think Baines will stay? I think Baines will stay, I think, because I, I don't think two of the things that are essential for it to happen will. I don't think United will offer enough money for one. Or anybody else for that matter. And I think that Baines will not push for a move. And the next part of that as well is that if Fellaini does go and he goes for an amount of money that's greater than £24 million, say, then Everton's need to sell Baines diminishes. Absolutely. But it also identifies, and I really, really hope he's got this right. And I, I am, 
put full faith in him to do it, but he, sh- he should already have someone lined up. I've got, I've got no doubt that Everton have got to have seen this coming all the way through the window. Mm. They must have had to have someone lined up regardless because of the uh, the clause, um, specifically, you know, I mean, the time. McCarthy at Wigan is the, is the natural successor, if you like, well, he's, he's, he, he's a natural sort of another midfielder, but it might be that he plays differently, they play a different way. It might be that if that's his cue to go to the 3-4-3 or something like that, that he doesn't need to... If he, if he can't fulfil that sort of role of the man who plays off the front for Everton, you know, you don't have to go like for like in terms of replacements. It might just be getting another midfielder in, really, is, is what he chooses to do. Um, very quick prediction that Everton for three points against West Brom. Yeah, I think comfortable... 2-0, 3-1, something like that. Excellent stuff. Uh, Liverpool are obviously going to beat Aston Villa 7-0 or they're going to get beat 2-1. Two Benteke headers. This has been all in the game this week. It's fabulous to be back, ladies and gentlemen. Every Monday from me and now on, me and Mr Dave Downey. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.